Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's all pray. Lord, just like we sang this morning, um, you receive you you deserve all the glory. Lord, that everything comes from you and everything goes to you. And we our very breath of our uh, mouth is from you. And we acknowledge that this morning. We thank you, Lord, on this Memorial Day weekend that you laid down your life for us and we're indebted to you. And um, we just thank you, Lord. I, I thank you for this opportunity to speak before the congregation. And I pray um, your anointing be upon this word that I could step out of the way and that would highlight um, something that's of worth to us in this moment of time and that would strengthen and fortify us, Lord. Um, your word is life. And I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would use me as his vessel to bring forth a message that would make a difference. And uh, we give you the, clor- the glory this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's been a busy time right now. You know, we've been um, doing a lot of projects, you know, around the church here. And um, for those of you who are new, um, this place has has been transformed over this past month. And I just want to thank everybody that participated in that. And um, I'm going to say it. um, Teamwork makes the dream work. And we had, <laughs> we had a lot of teamwork to get this done. And it was a blessing. And I would say as a pastor, that's one of the greatest joys that I receive is to see when the church comes together in a project and everybody's working together and people are bringing their disciplines and their strengths. You know, every Sunday that takes place, but it was a unique thing for us to paint the interior of the building, put the new floor, paint the exterior of the building. And, you know, just to improve this because we're expecting God to move and we want to present the best for those who come here. And we love the Lord and we want to express that through a physical, tangible way. And I just want to thank everybody who participated. That was awesome to be a part of that and to, and to see it. Um, the key word there, amen. You know, the key word in that is joy. It's my joy uh, to see that. And I know that the Lord uh, rejoices. He says he's pleased when his uh, children dwell together with unity and we work together for a common goal and to see that uh, happen. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's more work out there. There's a harvest of souls. There's a teaching of young kids. There's watching the nursery. There's all these, you know, ministries that we can give of ourselves. And in doing that, we receive a blessing. You know, and, and uh, a lot of times, you know, it was uh, Lawrence and Brandy, you guys did such a great job with that responsibility this morning. And a lot of times we feel nervous and we don't feel up to it, you know. But when you step out, don't you feel good now that you did it, that you were obedient and the Lord used you and did a great job? And, and that's, you know, each one of us has that opportunity to serve the Lord in that capacity. And that's, you know, one of the things where we can really feel 
the joy of the Lord flow through us. And, and as we've ministered to others and we've made a difference in people's lives, I think that that's, you know, what the Bible talks about, the, the, the joy that we have and the fruit that we can partake of when that takes place. You know, in this, this past a few weeks, it's been so busy that what I'm going to preach today, I'm going to be preaching to myself. You know, that a lot of times when we get so busy, we get distracted with things and our eyes get off of the focus of the things that are eternal and start looking at temporal and looking at things that cause problems instead of the solution, which is Christ. And I found that, you know, a lot of times when, when that happens, we start looking at life like through a straw. You know, there's so much more out there. There's so much that God is doing. There's so much bigger, greater, more fantastic things. But we tend to focus in on our problems. And we're looking at things like this. And all of a sudden, we're kind of harassed. And we're, you know, we're off our game. And we're out of balance. And it's, we, it's time to step back and say, man, what's going on here? You know, what's going on here? And part of that is just being too busy. It's being too busy and not taking time for those things that we know that this is internal. These are eternal things. These are important things. These, just like what you, know, what you just said, Pastor Tyler, uh, a day hemmed with prayer seldom re- unravels. You know, to put first things first and to take care of those things that are the most important. And when we do that, it tends to put things back in perspective. And, you know, we're all being challenged right now. And looking out at the world, looking out what's happening in this world, and thinking to yourself, how do we address these things? You know, uh, you would think that this week, unfortunately, with, the, with that tragedy that took place in Texas, that I would, you know, most times you would head the service would make mention of that at least. But these things have become so common in our lives nowadays that it's just like, oh yeah, another shooting, you know. And these are the things that we're facing here right now, these sorts of things where it seems like the enemy is running rampant. And what is our response to this? I remember Pastor Gretchen and I went to Denver when the first of this type of shooting took place. We were at an international ministry in a room full of, there was probably about how many people? 300 at least uh, people from all over the world. 70 nations were represented. And that's when we were in Denver, Colorado. And this is when the Columbine shooting took place. And some of the people that were in attendance, their kids were going to that high school. And so in the middle of the meeting, they stopped it and it says, we need to pray right now because there's been a, a, a tragedy that's going on. It's, it's in progress right now and we need to pray. And we know the, the outcome of that. That was kind of the beginning of this sort of mess that we're seeing these days. It's a crazy time to be alive. And yet our God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Not only that, he told us that it would look like this during these times. And the thing is, how do we, as the people of God, look at the horizon and these dark clouds moving in and retain those things that we hold dear, which is, number one, the joy of our salvation. You know, it's the second fruit of the Spirit. It says, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, number one, joy, peace. How do we keep our peace in times where it looks like it's just, it's going down the toilet? It's just, it's a mess. You know, you hear that story about what happened in Texas where the police arrived on the scene. I don't know if you looked into the detail of this, but the police were there and there was a major shootout outside the building. 
And they, the, the, the word went back, it says, oh, this is a hostage situation. So the police stood down and waited for about an hour where this gunman just ran roughshod and just killed all these kids. And so is there an agenda behind this? Because they want to dis- disarm the American public. Because there's things that they would like to do to us that are unspeakable. And they want to make something into an issue so that they can violate a right that was given by God. It wasn't given by the government. This is the environment we live in. These are the things if you're aware and you're watching, you see and you see what's at stake. And these things have a bearing on my, you know, how how I look at things and how, as a pastor, how do I conduct this to the church? How do I uh, transmit this sort of information or this knowledge that this is what we're facing? But the Word of God says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that we're not to fear, we're to have faith, even in troublous times, even in times of turmoil. This is who our position is in Christ. These realities are taking place. You can be Pollyanna-ish and say, no, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to look at it. No, these things are happening. Unfortunately, they are happening. But our God is bigger than these things. We can focus on the problem or we can look at the Lord as our solution and our solace and our place of comfort and our strong tower and our place of refuge. And that's where we need to be focused on. That's the things that we need to be focused on. Amen? You know, the, the word joy is so much deeper than happiness. Happiness is contingent upon our circumstances. It's like if I get a new car, I'm really happy until somebody backs into it and puts a dent in the bumper. Then I'm not so happy. But joy is a more abiding thing. It's more deeper. It wells up from within us. It comes from God. It comes from the impartation of His Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's number two on the list. It's joy. Who in here would like to be full of joy? I mean, I would love to be full of joy. You know, my wife is pretty joyful. But even this week, she got attacked. She she was over there doing, she was, uh, doing some gardening in the, in the yard, and all of a sudden she gets in there and, oh, my back is laid up. And so she didn't make it to church last week. And then she was, this week she was feeling, oh, I'm feeling much better. And she went down to pet the cat, and her back went out again. I'm like, oh, no, we got our grandchildren coming in a few weeks. And I know she's so excited about that, and I don't want to see her laid up, you know, to have interaction and just to enjoy their presence. Like what happened to me when we went on vacation. You know, I don't want to see that. And, you know, recently we've been really working hard to get the property in shape because the owner of the property might be here today. I don't know. It's almost like the waiting on the second coming of the Lord. It says, you better be ready because he might be, she might be coming at any moment. So, you know, you're trying to make it, you know, look decent. Praise God, Dwayne came over there and he worked hard, man, this week. He gave me a hand uh, getting this yard in shape. And um, it's a lot of work, you know, in doing these projects over here. I got way behind on my work over there. I was kind of getting more of a handle on it. And then three weeks or a month spent over here, ah, it spiraled out of control. So Dwayne was over there helping me get that under control. And there's areas of, you know, we improved it. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm a progressive, you know, kind of taking ground kind of thing. And there's areas in there where, okay, I fix this area. Okay, it's done. I'm moving on to the next project. 
And then one morning, talking about these pigs that come into our property. I, the other day, I just re-landscaped in front with our, our nice red gingers. And I wake up, and all the plants that I planted, there, the pigs came in there and plowed them all up, put down, you know, um, bark. And it was all real nice looking. And I'm thinking, okay, done with that. I'm moving on to this. No, the pigs come in there and chew up all the, you know, till it. it looked like a tiller went through there. And I just bought this plant, this miniature monstera. They chewed the thing off. And I'm like, what's going on here, man? And then I'm looking, whoa, what happened here with my tea leaves? I just trimmed them all back, and they were nice red tea leaves. And I look at them, and next thing you know, they're all, they're all nipped off. And I'm going, what did the deer come over here and eat these things off? There's not enough food in this property to eat, and they got to come eat my tea leaves over here? And it wasn't the deer, it was cows. We got cows that plowed to the fence. I wake up and there's a herd of cows in our front yard. And I heard this noise and I'm out there and there's cows chewing on the tea leaves right there. I was like, well, get out of here and chase them. And before they would get scared and they would run to the gap in the fence. But now they're, get, they're like, we ain't leaving. There's too much to eat over here, man. There's so much good stuff. I never knew that cows love tea leaves that much. They, only, they didn't only eat the tea leaves. They pushed them down so that they could eat them. So they destroyed. There was a whole row of tea leaves. They pushed them all down, broke them all so that they could eat the tops. We're calling the guy next door, who's the owner of the cows, and says, you got to get your cows out of here. Oh, I, I, that's not me. That's my nephew. And so we call the nephew and says, no, that's not me. That's him. He's just too old. He don't want to fix his fences. So I got cows. I can't do anything. These cows are just, I'm, I got cowboy boots, but I'm not a cowboy, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scripture that says it's the small foxes that ruin the vine. You ever, feel, <laughs> you ever feel that way? That it's just nipping and nipping and nipping and nipping and all of a sudden, I can't take it no more. You ever felt that way? We're just built up, built up, built up. And finally, I was like, like Jolita, I'm just trying to handle all these problems. I'm juggling all these problems. And my, my Jeep is down because I, I got a bad carburetor. And the carburetor just came in. And I got a, a window of opportunity Sunday afternoon. I'm putting this carburetor in my Jeep because when Wesley comes, they need the other cars. And I did it. Finally got it all. Cherry. And I was praying, Lord, help me to do this. And I did it. And I put it in. And it actually worked. And I was stoked. I was like, hallelujah, man. I was just praising the Lord, man. Thank you for helping me do that. And then the other day, I go, I need new windshield wipers. So I put new windshield wipers on. I turn on the switch and the thing's like, and I'm like, I need a safety inspection. This got to work. And it's so hard to get to the motor on this thing. And I was like, I'm ready to blow a fuse here, man. It's the little foxes that destroy the vine. <laughs> Trying to abide in the Lord. And yet these things come and they get in the way and they're in your brain and you're thinking about them. Instead of thinking, Lord, I got to spend time with you. I'm thinking about fixing my Jeep or I'm fixing getting the cows out of here and doing this and doing that. And it's occupying your brain instead of abiding in the Lord. Abiding in the peace of the Lord and going to him first and say, Lord, I got some problems here. I need your help. And he can't help us. And even this morning, 
I'm like, hallelujah. I, I was so harried and harassed. I'm just like, last night I was going to sleep and I was telling Gretchen, man, my primary concern is just to have a message to share with the church because I've been going through all this mess and I don't want to just bring something of nonsense. And so I'm in the presence of the Lord. And I'm oh, wow, this is cool, man. I really felt your presence this morning. I'm good. And then I wake up and I go turn on the water and I can tell the water pressure is going low. And I say, the cows broke a line somewhere, man. So I'm all have my clothes on. I'm ready for church. I got to change my clothes, get on the lawnmower, search the land for the, where the pipe that the cows broke. And I told Gretchen, you got to go open up. I might be late. Praise the Lord. It was in an easy place to fix the problem. And I was here on time. It's the little foxes that ruin the vine. Those little things that get in your head and, and cause you to, to veer off course and says, I don't got time for that now. I don't got time for that now. I don't got time. We need to make the Lord the priority, number one priority in our lives. Amen. And then things get put back into priority. Get, things get shuffled back into the right order of it's not that big of a deal. And the Lord helps us through these times when we invite him, just like Jolita. That's a miracle, you know. And when we invite him in, and it says, if, you're, if, if you abide in my words and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and I'll do it for you. By this you will bear much fruit. By this my Father will be glorified and you, your joy, will be made full. Amen. That's one of the things it says. When you get your prayers answered, how does that feel? Amen. Isn't that such an awesome thing? I mean, we had some, a lot of prayers. A lot of prayers been answered. A lot of prayers are being answered. A lot of prayers have been answered. A lot of prayers will be answered in greater measure. As we abide in the Lord. As we don't focus, look at life through the straw at all my problems. And say, Lord, you got this. You got this covered. We look at, you know, just like Brandy said, you look at the, the stock market. You know, you look at the stock market, it's just doo, 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 going down like this. Get into Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Doo, doo, doo. You can't even buy baby formula by intention. We can't get, you, you're looking at the, this is America? And you go into the store, where's the stuff, man? We're Americans. And here it is. We need to be settled on the things of God, the foundation of Christ, because He is going to supply all our needs. He's going to take care of us through this thing that is coming, and it is coming. And what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to fortify us, I'm trying to fortify me to deal with the things that we're seeing on the horizon. And thank God that we are part of the church of Jesus Christ, because I'm telling you, this is the only solution. There's no other solution out there. It's Jesus Christ and our firm foundation upon his word and what he said and his commitment to us, even when we're not that committed. He is committed to us. Amen. That's good news. Let me read this. Uh, go to the book of First John. First John chapter one. It starts off just like we sang, everything is from him and all things are to him and everything emanates from God. And this is what John, the one, the, the beloved, the one who his brag was, his moniker was, I'm the, I'm the apostle whom Jesus loved. Right? 
That's what he says about himself. I'm the one who Jesus loved. And basically, I was his favorite. It says that he was the one on the night of the Last Supper. He reclined on the Lord. He's hanging. He's, he's just leaning back on the Lord. And Peter, ask him, who's the one who's going to betray us? Ask him. And Jesus told it. But that was his brag. That was his moniker. I'm the one whom Jesus loved. And this is the thing that he wanted to share this epistle, 1 John. And it starts off just like his gospel does. Just a little bit different wording, but on the same vein. It says, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, which looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Can you imagine you're the disciple that they got the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I was leaning on God. I was kicking it with God. I was eating with God in the flesh. And he's getting this revelation. The life was manifested, verse 2, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, it was manifested to us. That which we have seen, have heard, declare to you, and you also may have fellowship with us. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things I write to you that your joy may be full. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that make it sort of intriguing to read this book? That I want full joy. I want to have fullness of joy. I want that in my life. And he's saying that the things that he's, he's condensed it down to these few chapters. And he says, if you put this into action, you could have fullness of joy in your life. Isn't that an attempting proposition? That we can have fullness of joy? Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of a, a society gone awry, even in the midst of school shootings, even in the midst of shortages, that God promises, these things I have written that your joy may be made full. I want to have fullness of joy. Excuse me. No, please sit down right now. Sit down. Yeah, you got to sit down. I can talk to you after. Thank you. All right. Yeah, we have to have uh, order in the church meeting, and I appreciate that. I'll talk to you afterwards. Well, amen. Well, thank you, Lord. Uh, Father God, I just pray uh, you're anointing your peace over this message, Lord, that there wouldn't be any disruption, that it would, I'd be able to deliver this message in its entirety. And so this... It says that we write these things that your joy may be full. You know, this is something that um, I think that each one of us in our hearts, we desire this. The interesting thing is, and how is, is it gained? How is joy gained? And it's interesting, I've preached on this before. That a lot of times it seems joy and trials go hand in hand. I've even read that. The trial increases your capacity for more joy. So that when the thing does take place that we're praying about or where he preserves us through, that we have such more of an appreciation for it because we went through some hardship in order to attain to it. Does anybody testify to that? It actually increases our capacity to enjoy. It says, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. 
I remember Pastor Rob, I'll give him credit for this. He said that, and, and, and my sister Terry, she said that she used to, my sister Terry was a waitress and she used to live, uh, work in West Hollywood and she would waiter or, or uh, cater to, she would call them their tragically hip people from West Hollywood. They have everything they can do, everything. They have more than mo- money could buy. And they said that they're, they're like in this, this zone where, they, where, where they're like um, sheltered. And they're almost like comfortably numb. You know, I can't really feel joy because, hey, I did it all already. I, don't, I can insulate myself from any kind of uh, insecurities. So I'm just flatlining through life. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly on both ends of the spectrum. I've come to give you this so that you can experience joy. I've also given you this so that you can appreciate my hand in your life and my caring and the perseverance that it takes to hang in there. I've come to give you life more abundantly. Oscillating. Sometimes it's good. But in truth, it's all good because... God is not wasting anything. When he lets us go through a trial, it's for a purpose. He's, a tre- he's, tra- he's training us. He's teaching us. He's perfecting us. He's perfecting us through these things. Go to the, um, just a few books over in James. This is all familiar. It's nothing new, but just maybe a new twist on it, maybe. James 1. Like I said, trials... And joy seem to be partners. James chapter 1, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. My brethren, count it all joy. Pastor Tyler, you said it this morning. If we can't say that, hallelujah, I went through a trial today and God brought me through it and he was found faithful and I knew he had something in mind when I went through it. Hallelujah, he's, he's, he's perfecting my faith. We're all a work in progress, amen? This thing that he says that, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. How many of you guys like completeness? I can't stand unfinished things, man. My wife knows that about me, man. The other day, our, our, you know, our, our son and our daughter-in-law and our grandkids are coming, so our bathroom was kind of a, it needed some work, you know, needed to uh, make it look better. I need to recock the tile, and we actually painted the tile, and some of the paint was chipping off, so it was like, okay, let's redo this whole thing, because they just redid their bathroom. I don't want to come in here and being grossed out by our bathroom. And so, <laughs> and so we redid it. And I, I was very meticulous. I went and taped up all around where I was going to paint the tile. And I knew the risk was that when I pull this tape, I'm going to pull the paint. You ever had that? And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying to get this project off the list because I got other projects to move to. And I pull the tape and the paint peels off. And I go, no problem. I got this paint in the bin outside. And I go to the bin outside and I don't have the paint. It drives me nuts, man. I hate incomplete projects. I like to complete something and then moving on to the next one. And so I got to drive down to Home Depot to buy a a little court so I can do a little bit of touch-up on there. 
and then it's finally done. But there's such a satisfaction when you complete something and you stand back and you look at it and go, yep, that's complete. That's what I liked about working on this project here. That teamwork made the dream work. <laughs> that when it comes together, it's such a blessing. It's such a joy, you know. And God is working his thing with us. He's working out these, these issues in our life. And he's wanting us, even though we're going through the times of hardship, to know that I have a plan on the other side of this. Please restrain from grumbling during this. And I'm, I'm teaching this on the Bible study night. And then I'm grumbling the next day. And my wife catches me. She goes, wow, Pastor Jay, weren't you just pre preaching about not grumbling? And it's amazing what comes out of your mouth when the little voxes are nipping at your vines. Right? Your patience level just kind of mm, wanes. And I was even surprised at myself. Brother, you better get into the presence of the Lord and repent. Am I helping anybody today? <laughs> you know, I was watching a sermon this morning. It was a black preacher. And he was like, wow, that's, a, that's a, an awesome, you know, he was just being real with his congregation. This guy is a gray-haired guy. And he's talking about his failings and he goes y'all think that i float in here on wings and float off the stage with wings and he goes no i'm just like you i got issues man we all are dealing with stuff but god is doing a work in each one of us he's developing us he's he's challenging us and he's like looking to us to say are you going to go with the flesh or are you going to identify with what i said about the situation i listen to this guy and he gave this story. You ever been about around a person that is just extremely extra positive? Everything is positive, positive. There's no negative. Been around that kind of people. And he said, they gave this story. It's a fictitious story. But it was about this king who had a, a, he had a servant who would uh, follow him around. And no matter what happened, everything he went through, his words out of his mouth was, this is good. This is good. I think about Pastor Richard. You know, he sounded, the way he made the voice sound, it sounded like Pastor Richard. This is good. And so, one time the king went out hunting. And he took his uh, servant with him. And he says the king was ready to shoot a, a, a lion. And he shot. And his gun exploded and he blew his thumb off. And he looked at his servant, and his servant said, this is good. And he's looking at him like, what? He was so upset. He goes, that's it. You go to prison for one year. So he puts him in prison. So finally the king, he heals up, and he goes out. He goes, I'm going to go hunting again. So he goes out there, and before he gets a chance to hunt, he gets captured by a tribe of cannibals. And so they bring him into the camp, and they're looking at him, they're getting the pot ready, and they're giving him the one over. And all of a sudden, they look at him, and they go, oh, he's missing a thumb. And they go, oh, man, our rules say that we can't eat anything that it, unless it's whole. It has to have everything, everything there. And so he comes back, and he was like, oh, he was like, whoa, my life was spared because I don't have my thumb, man. I got to go release my servant from prison. So he releases them from prayer. He comes up and he tells them, I just want to tell you this story. I went hunting and they were ready to eat me. And they didn't eat me because I was losing my thumb. And the guy said, and I just want to apologize that I kept you in prison for one year. And the guy, the servant says, this is good. And he goes, 
Why would you say that? This is good. Because if I wasn't here, I'd be with you. <laughs> All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purposes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. First Peter 1. Chapter 1, verse 3, it said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just as the book of 1 John started out, let's put the first things first. We were born again because of the fact that Jesus died for us. That's where we start off with our, our faith journey. He's also didn't leave it at that. That would have been enough if it just saved us. And gave us relationship. Verse 4 is to an inheritance. Incorruptible. Undefiled. That does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while. If need be you are grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, much, uh, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's a powerful statement. That says that we have salvation, number one. That we're reserved by the word of God. That we have an inheritance. That we rejoice even now in trials if we have this perspective. That we realize that this isn't all there is. This is like a simulation to the reality that's coming. And our names are already written in heaven. And if we can keep our eyes focused upon that reality, that has the ability to let us go through these trials and these ups and downs in life and be constant and say, Lord, you got this. And no matter what, you're working all things together for good. And you have a plan. And this, I believe, is where joy comes from. So that we're not subject to our circumstances, but we transcend those circumstances by keeping our eyes focused on the Lord and just like that servant who was in prison, we say, despite the things we go through, this is good. This is good. Because God is good. And he's working all things together for good. Because we love him and he loved us. And we're in the beloved. It's just like Jolita said, we are in him. He's conferred this upon us. And our tendency at times is to pull back and say, why is this happening to me? Anybody think that sometimes? Why is this? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Instead, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, that you trust me to go through this. And you're developing character through this. That I would be complete and I would be lacking nothing. That I am more established. We're all going to need this thing in the coming days. So remember this. This is the Word of God. This is the truth of the Word of God. In fact, after all these things are laid out in the first, this, this letter of Peter, 
you know, he was talking, let me just sum it up with this. It says, uh, verse, chapter 5, verse 5, real quick, I'm going to just read this scripture and, and, and uh, wrap it up. Likewise, you younger people, submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace, which is his strength to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the work that he's doing. But in closing, and then he gives his salutation here by Silvanus, our faithful brothers, and I consider him, I've written to you briefly exhorting you to testify that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. This message is the true grace of God. The Lord never promised that life was going to be a breeze, that everything was just going to, we're just going to breeze through everything. No, he's saying that you, in this, in this world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, and I've conferred my victory upon you. This is the true grace of God. The ability to go through stuff victoriously, in faith, keeping our eyes focused on the Lord, because we have such a great inheritance waiting for us. That as we go through things, and we don't grumble, and we, we pass through, and we get the victory, it gives glory to God. And that's what He's looking for from us. That's what we were created for. You know, a lot of times we say worship is, and worship is coming to church. There's other things we could all be doing. You know, we, uh, you know, I want to go to the beach. I haven't been to the beach in forever. I, you know, I got, I got things to do. I could give my money for this. But when we submit, we humble ourselves, submit to God. We come here. We give Him our first fruits. We give Him our honor. It honors the Lord. And we do worship with the songs that we sing. That is part of worship. But worship is also the fruit of our lips when we're going through hardship instead of grumbling. It says, Lord, you got a plan here. Thank you that you've strengthened me to get through this. And there will be a testimony on the other side of this. I hope there's not too much moaning in the testimony. <laughs> and we give you the glory. Let's pray.